Welcome to Rise Up For You, a unique podcast dedicated to uplifting women in their day-to-day life, but open to all to enjoy and share. My name is Natalina, the founder of Rise Up For You, through interviews with various experts and professionals on relationships, investing, self-worth, entrepreneurship, love, and health. This podcast is committed to empowering and spreading knowledge and motivation to all. Rise up for you, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater tomorrow. Hi everyone, this is Netalina, your host and founder of the Rise Up For You podcast. Happy Monday. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast episode. Okay, we have an incredible leading woman that's joining us today. We're going to be speaking with Michelle Tillis Letterman. She's named one of Forbes' top 25 networking experts, and she's the author of three books, including The 11 Laws of Likeability and her latest book, Nail the Interview, Land the Job. She's going to be talking with us about building relationships, how to redefine what networking means, shifting from talking about just work to talking about anything and how to make people feel good when you're creating conversations. This is an incredible episode that you do not want to miss, so stay tuned. Rise up for you and enjoy this episode. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us today on the Rise Up For You podcast. It's an honor to have you on the show. I always like to start off the show by letting the audience get to know our guests. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. Uh, I always say I'm an adrenaline junkie, animal loving uh, traveler, <laughs> mother of two. Um, but I always start with those things because, as we'll probably be chatting about, I think sharing a little bit of our personal side more than our professional side is what makes people start to connect and find those similarities for relationships to, to begin to blossom. Uh, On the professional side, it does depend on the day. I am an author of three books, a speaker, a trainer, a coach. Uh, I am a former professor at NYU and uh, love to get out there and help people understand how to communicate with confidence, clarity, and connection, and to develop real relationships to get them the real results that they're looking for in in their lives. Um, So how did you in particular get into this field, you know, helping others build relationships, get comfortable in their skin and, you know, learning how to connect with um, others, either on a personal or professional level? Well, I'm a recovering CPA. So I spent the first decade of my career in finance. And my aha moment was when I was working for um, a bank. I was the only woman on the trading floor. And my boss was promoted to be the CEO in Tokyo, I went out there with him, hired a coach, did everything she did and said, ah, this is what I'm meant to do. And, and so it was actually through starting to do the work that I realized that I had an actual calling and bye-bye finance. Hello, entrepreneurship. Mm. So in, in your particular expertise, you know, you, you talk a lot about, you know, building relationships, um, whether it's on a leadership scale in a company or, you know, just getting out there networking and building relationships, you know, personally, professionally, you know, whatever that looks like. Why do you think it's so difficult? Because I find that working with my clients and just talking with people in general, that getting out there and talking to people and building relationships can be very, um, it can create a lot of anxiety for others. You know, why do you find that that's true? And kind of what's your take on that? You know, it's interesting. I think people think about networking as something they're doing. And I think that we redefine it 
And that's why I titled it relationship networking because networking has the word work in it. And if people feel that it's work, they don't want to do it. And it causes that anxiety you're talking about. Whereas if we think about it as just making friends, we're always networking because on the playground uh, with our kids' school or at a religious event or at a charity event or at the supermarket, oh my God, I just, I have a call right after you with a woman I met at the dog park that I'm probably going to hire. <laughs> so you never know. And if you're just out there talking about the things that you care about and being open and asking questions, relationships form and we don't have to be so strategic about it. Yeah, and I, and I think you're absolutely right there. I, I mean, there tends to be this intention or ulterior motive that people walk into, you know, when they're walking to an event that, okay, I have to, you know, what do they do? I, like, there's always something that I need to get from them opposed to just building something and letting it grow organically. Yeah, and I think that's part of the issue. And when I talk about relationship networking, I talk about three major shifts. We're shifting from talking about just work to talking about anything, and I practice what I preach. That's how I started this conversation. We'd start um, thinking about networking as a need, right? So we do a short-term approach where relationship networking is a very long-term approach. And the third shift is from making it about yourself and, and your needs and what you're trying to accomplish versus about the relationship. Mm. Um, would you say that you know, people are most comfortable when they talk about themselves. So I always tend to say, and this can be totally wrong to always put the the ball in the other person's court, let them talk about themselves and ask the questions to the person that you're um, getting to know so that they kind of feel comfortable and, and feel good about the conversation. I would make one tweak to that statement. I'm not sure if people feel comfortable talking about themselves, but I think people feel good Mm. when they're asked about themselves. So people feel good when other people are interested in them. Now, not everybody is comfortable talking about themselves. So when we do reach out to people, we do want to think about uh, how how personal those questions are or you know how much we're putting the focus on them. Show an interest, but don't make it feel like an interrogation. Right, that, that makes perfect sense. So you wrote this book um, called, it's about the 11... 11 skills of likability. Is that correct? The 11 laws of likability. 11 laws of likability. Sorry about that. Um, so where did that come from and why were you inclined, I guess, to write that book? Well, one of the opening stories in the book is about when I taught at NYU and I had a student and I, I was teaching communications and I was talking about intent and what was my intent in teaching them. And one of my students raised, raised their hand and, and said, for you to like us. And I dismissed him summarily. And I was like, no, I don't care. And, um, and the, the light went out of this poor kid's eyes and I crushed him and I felt terrible. And I, I really gave a lot of thought to why was I so uncomfortable with the idea that I wanted to be liked. And the truth is I never thought I was that likable of a person growing up. I think I was very polarizing and I wanted to understand what were the drivers of likability? What enables connection to happen? And that's kind of where the research started. I, I make it very clear the book is not how to get someone to like you. You can't make somebody like you. Sure. And there's definitely going to be people out there that don't like you. I know it. I don't want to know who you are. I know you don't like me. It's okay. <laughs> but you can understand what drives likability, what enables connection, so that you allow people to see that part of yourself and connection can form. And why do you think that that's so, um, why do you think that's difficult for us? You, you know, you just talked about your student, which is a story that I can relate to. You know, why do you 
why do you feel like you had that, uh, that initial reaction that people don't like you and, and whatnot? Where do you think that comes from? Because a lot of people deal with it, right? So I know that there's quite a few people listening that probably go into their interviews feeling this way or go into any events feeling this way, or even just in their relationships with their friends or, you know, romantically always feel, get feeling this need of wanting to be liked. 90, well, between 77 and 90% of our self-talk is negative. We are not very nice to ourselves. If our friends said half the things to us that we say to ourselves, we would not be friends with them. And so it's it's not surprising that we fester some insecurities and these moments of doubt when we're saying all these mean things to ourselves. We need to change the message. We need to become more aware of our negative self-talk and start to reframe and be better friends to ourselves. Mm. I know that and that will lead to greater confidence. Yeah, absolutely. And then that's a process. It's a it's a long process. It's not something that happens overnight, which I think a lot of people, um, you know, we live in this world of kind of instant gratification where they want to fix it now, and it takes time. Absolutely. Um, can you give us a little t- tester? We, uh, you know, we'd love the audience to go out there and. Uh, you know, get your book, The 11 Laws of Likeability. But can you give us, I guess, and this might be a difficult thing for you, but the top three things that you would say in your book that can really help our listeners today get out there and, and feel good about themselves? People often ask me, what are the most, what's the, my favorite law or the most important law? And, and I'm glad you didn't just ask for one because I have struggled with just picking one. Um, but I usually give two. And the first one I give is chapter one, which is authenticity. Because if you cannot do everything else without that thread or that foundation of authenticity, then none of it's going to matter because I can't connect with somebody who's not being real. Right. The other law is uh, law number 10, which is the law of giving. And I actually give this full chapter away because I believe so much in the concept of giving that I give the full unabridged chapter in its entirety away for free. I'm sure on your show notes, you have a link to my website, michelletillslutterman.com and they can download the, the, uh, the chapter. But giving and giving first and giving often and giving because you can and giving because you want to and giving without expectation of getting something in return, that is a philosophy that it's kind of like rising waters rises all ships. That increases your results, not linearly. It's not, oh, I gave to you, you give to me. It's I forward this, um, put out this philosophy of giving and others do as well. And then when I have a need, when I have an ask, things happen. Mm. You know, it's interesting that you say that as an entrepreneur, and I just want to shift the focus here a little bit. You know, I've, I've worked with quite a few entrepreneurs that don't believe in that message. They think that if they give something away, then someone's going to take it or steal it, or they're going to lose their business and they're not going to make money. But, you know, I think that you have it right. And I find that when you do give things away, then the abundance comes after that. And I think that's a great word. And I love the word you chose abundance. A lot of times, especially women, we come from this place of scarcity, and it makes sense. Professionally speaking, historically speaking, there was scarcity of women in the workplace, so there was only room for a few of us, especially at the top. But if we come up from a place of abundance and a belief that there is enough work, that there are enough positions, that that it's all available, we get less competitive with each other, and we're more supportive of each other. And I think that's a really important shift for women in general to have, because when you get women together that want to help other women there's nothing stopping us. It's extremely powerful. Mm. So I know that like, you know, and as you mentioned that the, one of the first laws that you mentioned in your chapter one book is authenticity and how this is a key element. And, and you said it perfectly. You can't connect with someone who's not being real. 
you know, that process has to come from us. Obviously it has to come from within. So, you know, do you have any tips or how does the mindset play into this element of really just being authentic when you go, when you go out there? And, um, I know for me, sometimes I personally struggle when I go to events because I always get caught off when someone says, what's your name and what do you do? If that's the first thing that comes up at me automatically, my whole like energy just completely shifts. So what can we do to kind of fight that energy that might be coming from the opposing party as we're wanting to build this relationship? And how do we stay in that authentic mindset when you can be kind of an environment that doesn't feel authentic? Uh, it's, it's interesting you use the word energy because that's chapter four of the book, The Law of Energy, because it's contagious. So it's very interesting that you are feeling somebody else's energy and it almost feels like an attack or a, um, an accusation. What do you do? And I, I've been there and I hate, I struggle with the what do you do question because I do a lot of things and it depends on the day of the week. And so sometimes I'll respond to that question with, you know, for, for work or pleasure or just, just to catch them off a little bit. Or sometimes I'll say, well, this weekend, or I will say, well, for vacation, just to shift and guide the conversation more broadly than what do you do? And then if they don't like what I do, I'm then written off because it isn't that our professions have to align for us to connect or for us to get results from the relationship because we don't know who their next door neighbor is or who they're married to or their best friend is who they went to camp with. We don't know those things, but if we have a real relationship with somebody and they have a real relationship with somebody else, then that connection is very easy to make. Mm. And do you find that, um, for the majority of the time that that energy shifts with you or do you find that, I guess it's half and half that some people, okay, move on or they really want to, you know, know what it is that you're doing professionally? Um, it, it often will catch people off guard, but most of the time it catches them and then puts a smile on their face. It almost relaxes them because they're like, oh, wait, we, we don't have to be so formal. Um, and it allows people a moment to breathe. So most of the time I get a very positive response from it. Mm. Um, I would love to, it, it's really awesome having you with us today, Michelle. And I feel like we could talk for quite a bit about this. Um, I'd love to ask you, you know, when we're going into an event, do you ever prep yourself mentally, uh, you know, just for this energy or networking, or, um, do you just go in there being open and uh, of course, authentic? Is there ever that this like a conversation that you have with yourself? I think it is important to, to, to check your energy. Like where is your energy? I've often told people, I give you permission not to go to the event, you know, Hey, if your energy is not in the right place, you're not going to be productive. You're not going to really connect with people. Then you know what? Give yourself a break. Give yourself an out this time. Not every time, just this time. Mm. So, um, if my energy is, I'm not feeling it. I will try some energy shifting exercises and I have several of them in the book, but maybe I will reframe, uh, the event. Maybe I'll find the good. Maybe I'll invoke real emotion. I will look for ways to get myself into a productive energy state. Not peppy, not happy, but productive. Like, what is the right energy for the situation? And if I can't, I might, you know, say, all right, give it 30 minutes. Let's see if something in the environment will help shift your energy in the beginning. And if it doesn't, then you know what? I can call it. You don't have to stay the whole time. You don't have to. It's not a race. It's not a, um, a quantity thing. My success at an event for me is usually one one relationship, one person that I want to grow and build, mm. then it was worthwhile. Yeah. And sometimes it takes one and it's a complete game changer. 
Exactly. Um, I want to shift the conversation just a tad. Um, I would love to have you back to talk about leadership and the importance and, and different key elements in regards to that, because I know that you also do a lot of work in that field. In particular, in connecting the two, how important is it um, as a leader to build relationships, and the, how do they go hand in hand? <laughs> Big so question. Said, because I actually do a keynote speech called The Relationship-Driven Leader, because they are so connected or hand in hand, as you put it. Um, if, and it's, it's everything. So if you think about the issues organizations have and leaders have of retaining their top talent and engaging, motivating their team, uh, you know, the loyalty, the retention, the turnover, all of that stuff that happens within the organization is because of the relationships that people have with their boss and their leadership. Companies that have an engaged workforce, it is due to the fact that the people believe in the leadership and have good relationships. And when they have that engagement, they have a higher productivity. And the bottom line is often, I think the research shows 202% higher mm. on a bottom line basis. You know, And it's a really simple thing to do is to ensure that your leaders are building relationships with their people. They're showing them two things. This is it. I care about you as a person and I care about the things that you care about. When leaders show those two things, they garner loyalty, they garner engagement, and the desire for the employee to say yes when asked to work late or, you know, I've had people in my audience tell me stories about bosses and they'll say, I would do anything for that guy. That's because that guy was a relationship-driven leader. Mm. Wow, that's very true. And I, and I think a lot of leaders have the opposite mindset that, oh, I can't, I can't be, I can't get too close. I can't build a friendship. I can't build a relationship on their boss. And I have to draw the line in the sand and it cannot be crossed. You're right. A lot of people uh, get very uncomfortable when I talk about building relationship. And I say, listen, you don't have to ask about their sick aunt and you don't have to talk about their cat. You can talk football. You can connect on, on things that are less personal, but you can still connect. Hmm. Absolutely. Michelle, again, it's been an honor to have you on the show. Um, it's such a pleasure. I'd love to jump into the power section of the episode. Can you tell us one book that you've read that's had a massive impact on your life that you would recommend to us? Well, one of my favorite books that I'm often quoting is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And I think law number, law, I'm used to saying law, habit number five of um, Sharpen the Saw is something I constantly am trying to work on and I have yet to accomplish. Um, I sharpen the saw is number seven, but number five is seek first to understand. And I'm, I'm constantly fo focused on with our communication. If we seek first to understand the other person, as you said earlier, to focus on them, we're more likely to be able to communicate what we're thinking in those terms. So I, I just think the seven habits are, are spot on. And what's one thing that you've accomplished that you're proud of? Just one. I mean, I'm proud of my books. I'm proud of my kids. I'm proud of the fact that I've traveled to 64 countries and counting. <laughs> Wonderful. I mean, that's a lot. <laughs> and are there any routines that you have that help you get a positive rise in your life? A daily routine, maybe something that you do every morning? Honestly, I am not somebody that is that regimented to have habits or routines, um, but I think I have mindsets and philosophies, and those are to smile when you can. Um, and smile even when you're not feeling it because sometimes you can work from the outside in and a smile goes a really long way for you and for somebody else. 
And is there anything that we didn't get a chance to talk about? Maybe one last piece of golden nugget that you would want to share with our audience. Well, since we spent most of our time talking about networking, I will say this. Um, Don't network for need and don't network for now. Network for life because the network that you build because you want to and you get to and it's fun, it's enjoyable. That's the one that's going to make a difference in your life. Great. Michelle, thank you again for joining us. How do we stay connected and how do we support you? Thank you. Um, I'm actually working on another book right now. And if people are out there and want to take a survey and help me with the research, I think you'll have that in the show notes. Um, You can find everything about me, whether it's my YouTube channel or my blog or, um, you know, my books or anything like that from my website, which is Michelle Tillis Letterman and it's L-E-D-E-R-M-A-N.com. And, uh, I give a lot of free stuff away, like the book, um, the, the chapter of the book, I give a chapter of the nail, the interview book. I give a video series. There's lots of free stuff and giveaways. If you go to the website, you can get it all. Wonderful. Thank you again, Michelle, for joining us today. My pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that podcast episode. If so, please share it with your friends and your family. You can post it on social media and just help us spread the word. We would really, really appreciate it. And if you haven't already, you can head over to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast and let us know how we're doing. You can leave us a review and a rating of the podcast because we would love to know how we're doing and we want your help to be better. Plus, this really is one of the best ways to support our podcast Rise Up for you. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Podcast Directory, Blueberry, and of course, if you head over to our website, www.riseupforyou.com, you can check out all of the show notes and listen to the podcast on the website. Thank you again for tuning in to Rise Up For You. Be better today than yesterday and prepare for a greater tomorrow.